Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome to Right Spokane Perspective on this Tuesday episode. We're going to be talking about elections. I know that's a little bit strange because the elections were, well, a month ago. But election season actually never ends. There's some interesting things going on in elections still. And I wanted to hit some you know, news coverage of what happened after the elections. And it's not just who got elected, but kind of what's being done with elections. We'll jump into that conversation after inspiration. Inspiration today is talking about surrendering to Jesus In 1951, Joseph Stalin's doctor advised him to reduce his workload in order to preserve his health. The ruler of the Soviet Union accused the physician of spying on him and had him arrested. The tyrant who had oppressed so many with lies couldn't abide with the truth. And, as he had done so many times, he removed the one who told him the facts. Truth won anyway. Stalin died in 1953. The prophet Jeremiah, arrested for his dire prophecies and kept in chains, told the king of Judah exactly what would happen to Jerusalem. Obey the Lord by doing what I tell you, he said to King Zedekiah. Failure to surrender to the army surrounding the city would only make matters worse. All your wives and children will be brought out to the Babylonians, Jeremiah warned. You yourself will not escape from their hands. Zedekiah failed to act on that truth. Eventually, the Babylonians caught the king, killed all of his sons, and burned the city. In a sense, every human being faces Zedekiah's dilemma. We're trapped inside the walls of our own lives of sin and poor choices. Often we make things worse by avoiding those who tell us the truth about ourselves. All we need to do is surrender to the will of the one who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Heavenly Father, please forgive us of the pride that keeps us from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes, that pride gets in the way, and pride does cometh before a fall. Too many people have pride in their country, but they don't actually turn out and vote. And with the inspiration, of course, a lot of our troubles that we have are troubles that we create for ourselves because... We don't follow wisdom, but a lot of the troubles around us are because of people that lack wisdom, but gain power. So it's kind of interesting uh, twist there, but we had elections again a month ago. And of course we've covered last week on the show, how the election is not even over with and elected officials from all sorts of different governmental entities, schools, local government, and state government, there's just taxes being put on the table like crazy. And, and of course, there's election laws being proposed. And that's one of the things that's changed in our country in recent years, pretty dramatically going to an all-mail-in ballot system. And I think the voters, you know, looking a few years back, all right, you get a Trump elected. Well, the Democrats say it was a fraudulent election. The Russians hacked it, whatever, right? Then you get the Biden administration and you, even, you have even less people that believe that we had an honest and true election. 
And they're still working on changing more election laws to make it more of a, a complex mess. So we've got some articles today we want to cover on that. And and I think that we're we're just we're digging ourselves a hole without being the person with the shovel in our hand. We're allowing those in elected office and in agencies to continue to muddy the waters of our election systems. And if you ask most people, you know how the election process goes, and most people have no idea, you know, that we went from decentralized system where you had precinct, in-person elections, to this totally centralized system where, oh yeah, okay, all the ballots somehow end up in this one place and they all get opened up, you know, the envelopes, and then they get separated, and you got these over there, and they get counted. And, well, what about uneligible voters once you separate the ballot from the envelope with the identifying information, right? I don't know. What happens? Nobody knows. Nobody actually can paint a clear picture, I don't think, of how elections are secure. Nope, but we can follow a $100 bill all the way around the country and even across the ocean. Well, digitally, especially, I mean, this is, it's interesting with digital security. Of course, you end up on the internet, you have problems with hackers that can get into systems and, but digitally, yeah, you can track things pretty well. You just, you know, fall. Well, I think that's the other thing too, in elections, we have to follow the money, but you've got some interesting stuff over there to talk about. I know that there's uh, lots of people that would like to rebuild trust in elections. And, and I think the more that we have that conversation, maybe we'll get to a conclusion that it's the way our elections are intentionally messy with the laws. So we'll start the, with the uh, rebuilding trust part first. The, yep. The first one we're going to talk about is out of uh, Sulani Madsen's column, Rebuild Trust in Elections Over Dinner. We have survived yet another election. Are you ready to talk election integrity, voter suppression, and low turnout before sliding into 2024. <laughs> sliding into 2024, I liked how she puts that. Or falling into it, one or the other. Or falling into it. Voter suppression is a catch-all term for other trust issues. There are 11 common categories of barriers to voting, according to the Carnegie Corporation report. Some have more to do with funding priorities. Curiously, not doing enough to translate election information for citizens who speak English as a second language is labeled as suppression. Others are related to the finer points of voting hours and polling locations. Assuming inconvenience discourages voters. The convenience of all-mail balloting was supposed to increase voter participation in Washington, and yet turnout percentage peaked in the 2008 presidential election. One solution to low turnout proposed at a briefing held by the House State Government and Tribal Relations Committee in Olympia in October is Australian-style universal voting. Voting has been compulsory in Australia since 1924, and voter participation has been at least 89% in every election. Theoretically, you can be cited for not voting, but such fines are rare, on the other hand, submitting a ballot doesn't mean it was taken seriously. The number of, quote, donkey votes, end quote, with ballots left blank, scribbled on, or otherwise deliberately spoiled have been increasing, attributing to young people not trusting their vote really counts. Well, there is a lot of people that don't think their vote counts. Uh, and I think, you know, if we're going to vote in every election, no matter what, we're going to have another election coming up. Actually, you know, <laughs> we just had one this last month, but there's going to be another one in February having to do with 
more property taxes to fund schools. We talked about all these taxes last week. There's just, it, we're going to end up with special elections. And you, you talk about voter turnout and mail-in ballots. It really didn't seem to increase voter participation like they said it was going to, but it really increased the cost, I think. And, and of course, now we've got all these special elections. But there is an idea out there that's that's being floated about, you know, taking the elections and putting them just all on one ballot, get rid of the special election, get rid of the municipal local elections, just put them all on the on the same ballot in an even numbered year. That is being floated. Yep. By Washington lawmakers. And if it's being floated by Washington lawmakers, there's a really high chance of probability that I don't like it because I don't like most of what the Washington legislature does. But maybe it is a good idea. Maybe it would save taxpayers money on elections. And maybe we could get to the point where it would make sense to go back to in-person elections and just do them all at the same time. Don't have these special elections and odd year elections and even year elections and just just put them all together. We can go back to a decentralized election system where we can show up somewhere vote on all the stuff, you know, try to get informed and quit having continual election cycles and and seasons. It's like election season never ends because one entity or another is running a ballot uh, initiative, is running a tax levy or campaigns for candidates. And it's just, I think, voter fatigue. I think that's one of the biggest barriers for for voting right now. The biggest voter suppression, I think, that's happening that that I didn't see mentioned in Sulani's article was voter fatigue from the propaganda and the countless dollars that's forced into this, you know, political machinery. Well, and I think after looking at this article, so this one was from the spokesman, Washington lawmakers revive call to let cities have elections in even numbered years. So it goes on to talk about how the the percentages are coming down for people that vote in odd number years versus the people that vote in even number years. And they said supporters say moving city elections could boost turnout for local contests. And by extension, the results would better represent the preferences of a broader and more diverse swath of Washington voters. Supporters point to research showing participants in odd-year elections tend to be older, whiter, and less representative of the electorate. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of find that statement as very inflammatory. Yeah, older, Um, whiter. Yeah, that's a problem. Older, whiter, and less representative of the electorate. So everybody that does vote in the odd-year elections, they are... They should be suppressed. Yeah, I think that's what they're getting at. But, you know, either way, we've changed these election laws, and, and we've seen a plethora of election laws get changed, not just locally, but across the country. And it was to serve. It's kind of like the gerrymandering. It's done to serve the people that want to gain power. That's seemingly what's been going on in elections for a long time. We did have that conversation with Glenn Morgan yesterday about the citizens initiatives where a lot of the oversight and control of government, you know, like the Public Disclosure Commission, knowing what these campaigns are spending, where they get their money, that was done by citizen initiative because we wanted to be able to look at these government entities and politicians and find out you know what what they're actually up to to the best extent that we can but there's other things that occur so you you have an election 
So a couple days before Thanksgiving, probably when a lot of people aren't paying attention to the news, every election cycle has its things. Okay, it's either COVID, it's riots, it's maybe it's uh, ballots had to be, you know, ballot counting had to stop because there was problems with the machines. Okay, or oh, no, ballot counting has to stop because powder was found in envelopes. Apparently had fentanyl, according to reporting. But there's other things, too. Remember the recounts that happened with uh, Christine Gregoire and Dino Rossi? And then, oh, well, we had one candidate winning, uh, but there was more ballots found somewhere. Where were those ballots found? Well, I don't know. Maybe they were behind the filing cabinet. But this last election here in November this year, Secretary of State calls on Postal Service after drop boxes used on Election Day. Uh, wait a minute, what? Um, kind of drop boxes where a lot of us dropped them? or Oh, no, wait. It was mail drop boxes. And the Secretary of State alerted U.S. Postal Service after elections officials in two Washington counties reportedly found unaccounted ballots in out-of-service mailboxes. So these out-of-service mailboxes that were found with many ballots in them, is just another way our mail-in ballot system has problems. You know, if your ballot gets lost in the mail, of course, that I don't think that happens a lot, but it's hard to say. You've heard about stolen mail. There's so many problems with this election system that we have, and it needs correction so that we can have some level of trust in the outcomes of these elections. And I don't think going digital or having AI, artificial intelligence, in our elections is a good idea because people are already looking at elections as being pretty artificial already. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. I'm dreaming of a wise Christmas. You know, whether we have a lot of snow or not, Right Spokane Perspective wants to wish you and yours a Merry Christmas with these words that Shannon has for you. At this Christmas, when Christ comes, will he find a warm heart? Mark the season of Christmas by loving and serving the others with God's own love and concern. Mother Teresa. Thanks again from Right Spokane Perspective, and thank you listeners who have supported us to keep us on the air by going to rightspokaneperspective.com and donating or by sending those donations to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, PO Box 7620-99207. Have a Merry Christmas. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on this. Yes, it's Tuesday, election time again. Well, except we had to vote a month ago, and it seems like the only artificial intelligence that we have that we mentioned going off into the break is in government and um, it's not the artificial intelligence that's computerized it's the ones that got into government and never left and now we have the government they've left us with and it it seems like these ideas keep on coming from people that want to control the narrative Shannon you're right and now that the elections are over and now that we know who is going to be taking office now we're going to see how far their fingers extend and to which entities money is going to start flowing. And straight out of our spokesman review, WSU launches initiative to combat misinformation. 
Public Policy Institute will work to support fair elections and their workers who have faced threats of violence. I, I, I just, I have a problem with a government-funded institution creating an entity that's going to somehow control what information is available. I mean, remember, misinformation was that these dust masks, things are not going to stop the spread of a virus. You know, misinformation had something to do with, well, the vaccinations, you stop you from getting it or spreading it. Oh, wait, no, it's just, uh, uh, maybe reduces the, oh, well, wait, they don't work. So misinformation is just the truth that they don't want you to know. And so now you're going to have WSU doing what with this information that, that we're not supposed to have? Well, we're going to find out. In an era of rampant misinformation, Washington State University's Public Policy Institute announced it has launched an initiative to promote election integrity and civic engagement. A national rise in conspiracy theories surrounding elections and threats to poll workers, including suspicious envelopes, sent the week of elections to the election offices in at least four Washington counties have spurred fear that in 2024, U.S. presidential election could mean trouble. Evacuations at elections offices around the state disproved experts' predictions that local elections this year would be relatively calm. Well, now, hold on. I think that um, there's a solution. If we had in-person voting, you wouldn't have envelopes. You wouldn't have election workers in a centralized place that are getting threatened. You'd have people in their own neighborhoods and communities having in-person voting. And I think most of the citizenry would not take it kindly for those citizen volunteers and election workers to be uh, ridiculed. I think that the citizens would be policing some of that if we did in-person voting. Well, it says experts are worried there won't be enough poll workers for the 2024 election. Foley Institute Director Cornell Clayton said, There's been a dramatic increase in the threats and incidences of violence at polling stations and election offices over the last four years, Clayton said. The vast majority of poll workers are just volunteers. They tend to be elderly women. They go to these polling stations and they find themselves being accosted and threatened. In the United States, nearly one in three local election officials knows at least one election worker who has left the job due to safety concerns, increased threats, or intimidation, according to a 2022 study by the Brennan Center for Justice. So they did a study that learned that one in three election officials knows one person in the United States that has left yeah, their job. Yeah, I, I really don't like polls like that where, you know, yeah, I mean, I heard this from, you know, an uncle that had a cousin that worked with a guy. And, yeah. and, and so if we want election security and they're afraid that the people that are poll workers don't even have good enough security, I think our government's completely failing in its obligation. And maybe this universal voting, having violent felons decide to, be able to vote now, um, maybe handing out voter registrations to drug addict homeless people is not a good idea. Well, you would think that would be their reasoning, but it's not. Their reasoning is most of the concern is coming from the political right in this country, Clayton said. Uh, and it's because of our former president 
uh, was engaged okay, so, in an effort so, to undermine elections. So this, I, well, we, we heard about some of that happening and, and no one should be threatening anybody or, you know, I, I don't think that that should be part of our election process, but I think it's the left that made it part of our election process. Cause I kind of remember riots and mostly peaceful protests where, you know, cop cars were on fire and stuff. I think that, that, you know, those kinds, all this well, political stuff that they've been doing and manipulating the trust in the election. Remember, we started this talking about trust in the election system, and now they want to. Obviously, they've got all this propaganda, but now we're gonna have we're gonna have bots controlling you're the right. election. So, are you ready for the devil in the details? The devil. Okay, here we go. Here comes the devil. Here comes the devil. So it says Clayton said he plans to set up a program in which interns at the Foley Institute volunteer to work in local elections offices. At the Foley Institute? At the Foley Institute. You're, you're talking about like Tom Foley, like the former Democrat? That's what it says. So that's not gonna, this is not going to be a partisan effort to uh, stop misinformation? The public policy may ask people who run for office to make public pledges that they'll abide by election outcomes. So we're wow. going to start seeing probably some legislation that is now going to control or more heavily control campaigns. Well, I, I don't think politicians... our First Amendment rights to go ahead and question the government well, in the outcomes of well, tallied elections. So who cares if a politician says, oh yeah, I'll just trust the outcome of the election. No, I will never question it. Who cares what they say? They're, for one, politicians frequently lie. Another is that the politicians have an oath of office to defend the Constitution, and that doesn't happen either. So, I, you know, I don't know what the, that's going to matter. Yeah, probably not. He says, we want to see them restore that really venerable tradition of a concession speech. Next spring, the Foley Institute plans to partner with WSU's Edward R. Murrow College of Communication to put on a synopsism about the use of artificial intelligence in election campaigns, Clayton said. There it goes. The Here, here's the bots in, in political campaigns and misinformation. Misinformation? No. AI counting the votes. So here's here's the hype. There's not going to be enough election workers for the 2024 election. Okay. Oh, and campaigns have to abide by making public pledges that they will abide by the election outcomes. Well, why oh, would we... by the way, we're going to use AI to start counting and processing ballots. Well, we'll probably be contracting those AI machines or whatever from China or, you know, but who's to say that we need to have all mail-in ballot system if AI is going to control the outcome of elections? These big tech firms that are going to be contracted with their AI already have so many data points on almost every registered voter, consumer, non-registered voter. They could just uh, use their algorithms at probably a pretty high rate of success how we would probably vote. Why do we need to vote if just to have AI do it? I suppose. Well, California is examining benefits and risks of using artificial intelligence in state government. And we know what happens in California doesn't stay in California because no, here in here. Washington, we like to compete with California. It so and they move here. It and they. Even their politicians have moved here. Some of their politicians go down there to get trained and then come back. So this is out of the Los Angeles Times. Artificial intelligence that can generate text, images, and other content could help improve state programs, but also poses risks, according to a report released on Tuesday by the governor's office. Oh, uh, so this is Governor Inslee, 
No. Or, no oh, this is Newsom. This is Governor Newsom. So, so We're in Governor California. Newsom, California. And uh, yeah, I could totally see that happening here, except for how would the WSU misinformation people shut down the bot? You can't find a bot. You can't find AI well, for putting out misinformation if the AI is the one running the campaign. You're right. And what it says is generative AI could help quickly translate government materials into multiple language, analyze tax claims to detect fraud, summarize public comments, and answer questions about state services. Still, deploying the technology, the analysis warned, Holy also smokes. comes with concerns around data privacy, misinformation, equity, and bias. Oh, you mean they wouldn't summarize public comments in certain ways to where the comments didn't come out as what my comment actually well, was? Of course, the AI is going to be trained. And typically, I mean, if they're trained by a government worker uh, in California or Washington, that AI is going to have bias because it's going to be trained to operate within a certain level of parameters. And of course there's going to be some bias built into it. I'm sure. I mean, some of the bias might need to be, well, is it operating legally? But the biggest thing about this to me is that sounds like Newsom's trying to find a way to fill holes in the state budget by using AI to replace state workers when it comes to customer service. How did you know the next line I was going to read? Uh, I, I haven't read the article. I just, the, I, I watch government fall all over itself to make bigger and bigger mistakes all the time. They've expanded government. They can't afford it anymore. So now we got to find a way to afford it more, but we can still never fire any of the new employees. When used ethically and transparently, generalized AI has the potential to dramatically improve service delivery outcomes oh boy, and increase access to the utilization of government well, programs. He must be running for president because he's going to lose a lot of the government union employees if he's talking about replacing California state workers with AI. He must be planning on going somewhere else politically. While concerns about AI safety have divided tech executives, leaders such as billionaire Elon Musk have sounded the alarm that the technology could lead to the destruction of civilization, noting that if humans become too dependent on automation, they could eventually forget how machines work. Other tech executives have a more optimistic view about AI's potential to help save humanity by making it easier to fight climate change and diseases. Yes, folks, AI is going to fight climate change and diseases. That's that's great, great. So we're going to have uh, artificial intelligence that's going to be somewhat influenced by foreign adversaries and people with, uh, I would say, self-interest involved that's going to be you know, deciding how our state government operates and how elections are are done. I think the artificial intelligence often is in government policy. I don't think that we should have AI working in our elections. We need to figure out, like we were talking in the beginning of this conversation here, Shannon, how do we get people to believe the outcome of elections because there's security like, do people in this country think most of, you know, the people they run into in a day are actually citizens of the country? Well, we don't know. We have open borders, right? So the government failures need to be corrected, not by bringing in a new way to fail. It needs to be corrected by looking at how we used to succeed. Well, actually, what they're doing is allowing AI to go ahead and correct 
law enforcement. Further on, it says AI's potential use to go beyond state government. Law enforcement agencies such as Los Angeles police are planning to use AI to analyze the tone and word choice of officers in body cam videos. Well, so AI can help uh, keep police officers from talking poorly to people who are cussing and spitting on them just a, that's a wonderful way to reduce crime well i don't at think some L, point, so this is out of the la times this right? is out of the la times and this is this is just the last little part that's and this is a quote from the ceo of open ai at or the former ceo at some point when the model can do the equivalent output of a whole company and then a whole country and then the whole world like, maybe we want to do some sort of collective global supervision of that, he said, the day before he was fired. Yeah, I think regulating AI is beyond our government. I, our government can't even figure out how to regulate itself, even though it's got a constitution and some guardrails that it still doesn't follow. But it's an ongoing conversation. Elections happen, just like the one that just happened, the one that's going to happen in February. Probably be another one in April, you know, election after election. I think it might be a good idea. Just go back to the decentralized election system and maybe like some folks are considering in the Washington legislature, let's have all the elections happen at once so we can get it done and over with all at once. But I don't know. It's a conversation we got to have as voters and see if we can get our state government to actually listen to us if we decide we want something to change. All that being said, we'll be with you folks again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.